Hi friends, welcome to Cat's Calming Corner. This podcast was created by CanLearn Society to help educate parents on children's social-emotional learning. I'm Kat, I'm a provisional psychologist, and I'm here to provide a calm voice and a guiding hand to help support your family's social and emotional development. In our last episode, we talked about a very important topic, calming down. We discussed what happens to our children's brain and our brain when we're dealing with some really big emotions, why it's so hard for us to think clearly, to problem solve, or even to listen to other people's opinions when we're dealing with emotions such as feeling angry or frustrated. Calming down isn't easy. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. But one way to approach this is by taking a proactive approach and using calming down strategies in our everyday life. This means making sure we have a routine, that we put aside five minutes each day to do something that we enjoy to regulate our body. And this is extremely important for us as adults too, to show kids what healthy regulation looks like. We also talked about having a space corner in the house or a box where we can calm down. And this is a spot that we know we can go to when we're dealing with those big emotions to take some moments to ourselves and where we have a couple items to help us get through those really tough times. Now, emotions are a really big topic, but emotions don't always come by themselves. Today, we're gonna add an extra layer. What are we talking about? Well, today's topic, controlling those negative thoughts. Let's talk about that. negative thoughts they like to get stuck don't they negative thoughts are things that not only children deal with but adults deal with on a daily basis some negative thoughts pop up here and there and some like to linger and stay and affect our whole day thoughts are powerful And they are often working side by side with our emotions and they impact our actions too. When we talk about making sure we have a balance in our life and great regulation, we're not only talking about emotions, but we're talking about our thoughts as well. Lots of times kids will get some pretty heavy and negative thoughts and those thoughts really get stuck. They don't know what to do with them, and oftentimes they think they're true, and that can make our emotions feel way bigger. So let's talk today about handling those negative thoughts. What do we do when our child is going through this roller coaster of emotions, and then they just feel so down and hard on themselves? They'll say things like, I'm such an awful daughter, I'm the worst son. I don't know why I can't just get it right. Everything feels so hard and uh, what's the point in trying? I hear this so often and it breaks my heart to hear kids talk about themselves this way. But it's a reality that these negative thoughts are things that they deal with and they feel super powerful for them. So how can we help regulate our child? How can we help teach them how to handle those thoughts? Well, Let's start with the basics, understanding 
What is a thought? I know, this sounds really simple, but you'd be surprised how many kids and adults can't explain the difference between a thought and an emotion. So here's a little sample on how I teach kids the difference. The first thing I like to ask them is, where do thoughts happen in our body? And 99% of the time, they'll point to their brain or their mind. So we know that thoughts are things that happen inside our head. And we also know that other people can't see or hear our thoughts. These are ideas that are private, that other people don't know unless we say them out loud. So a thought is an idea, an assumption, or a belief, and it pops into our mind or our head. This is different than an emotion. Emotion are things that happen kind of throughout our body. So last week we talked a little bit about how emotions affect us and our body gives us different signs. So you can say emotions happen in our heart or our whole body. And these emotions are feelings. They are typically one word, sad, angry, frustrated, where a thought is typically a sentence. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'll just give up. Thoughts and emotions are different, but they work hand in hand. And so there is something called the CBT triangle. So let me explain that a little bit to you. CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and it's something that is often used um, throughout counseling and different areas of psychology. What this means is there are three areas that work hand in hand together, and they create this triangle. So when we think of our mental health, think of it this way. We have our thoughts that happen in our head. We have our feelings that happen in our heart or body. And then we have our behaviors or actions. And these are ways that we interact with our environment. And this is what people can see. These are all related together. And it's important for you and your child to understand how thoughts can affect us. Because if we just let those negative thoughts stay and linger, they are definitely going to affect our emotions and our actions. Let me give you an example. So let's pretend you are a child and you are waiting for your mom and dad to pick you up from school. And mom and dad are a little bit late. So your automatic thought might be, oh my goodness, they got into a car accident. Whew, that's a pretty big thought, but it's a common one that many of us and even kids have. So we're thinking, man, oh man, they got into a car accident. And our emotion now is we feel worried or anxious. So now we're feeling worried and anxious. Our behavior is to grab a phone and call mom and dad 10 times. Whew, mom and dad don't answer the phone, so now my thought is even bigger. Wow, man, oh man, they definitely got hurt. Now I'm feeling more upset and anxious. And now my action is I may be crying or pacing around the room. So that's an example of our triangle. I can also give you the exact same situation, but change it and see how it could change our outcome. So again, we're waiting for mom and dad at school and they're late. So maybe our first thought is, oh, they're stuck in traffic. Okay, they're stuck in traffic. My feeling is a little annoyed that they're late, but overall I'm pretty okay. My behavior? 
I'm just gonna go back and sit on the bench in the office until mom and dad come. And I still feel pretty calm about it. Same situation, but the difference was our big negative thought at the beginning really impacted our emotions and how we were acting. And that is exactly how they work with us for everyday life. So you have a presentation, you might be thinking, what if I mess up? What if I stumble around my words? Now I'm feeling nervous. And now when I go to give my presentation, I'm a little bit shaky and I'm stuttering through. Or your thought might be, I have a presentation and you know what? I'm just going to do my best with this. Whatever happens, happens. And so you're feeling pretty, still nervous, but pretty focused, pretty ready to go. And through that, your presentation goes pretty smoothly. These are all related and it's crazy to see how they're so impactful and they work hand in hand together. So now that we understand a thought, an emotion, and an action, and we see how they are related, let's talk about negative thoughts. It's important to teach our kids the difference between a negative thought and a positive thought. So there's different ways to explain that. We can start with something really easy. I like to label negative thoughts as red thoughts and positive thoughts as green thoughts. And so sometimes I'll ask kids to provide me some examples. You got a big test. What's your red thought? I can't do this. I'm going to fail. My parents will be so disappointed. You got a big test. What's a green thought? I'm going to start by labeling them as red or green thoughts. And I find this works really well for kids who are in elementary up to even grade six because it's a really nice, easy way to explain the thoughts that happen in our head and how there might be different ones. For your older kids, you can even explain this as a critic versus a coach. So we might have some thoughts that critique us and a critic is just saying all the things that are bad for us, but it doesn't give us room for improvement or tell us the things that we're doing really well at. A coach is someone who tells you where your strengths are, but also areas that you need more support and how to get that as well. So a negative thought or a critic thought might be, I'm going to mess up in front of my piano recital. And a coach could be, oh, you know what? I think I got this, but I always stumble on the last part. So I, I think I need to practice that a little bit more. It's important to actually put a label and use the language of those negative thoughts to our kids. A lot of times they can't tell the difference between a positive and negative thoughts. They just know there's these different things that pop into their head. Now, here's something super important when you're talking to your child. When we talk about positive thoughts or green thoughts or coach thoughts, it's important for us to explain to kids that these thoughts need to be realistic. What does that mean? Realistic means they have to be things that are real and that are actually going to happen. If my positive thought is always, well, I'm going to get 100% on this test. Well, I'm always going to be the best soccer player. I'm going to be at the top of my class for this dance recital. That is setting an extremely high standard and expectation that is not always achievable. And so the problem is when our green thoughts or our positive thoughts are not realistic, we can end up actually disappointing ourselves by always having this high perfectionist standard. 
Another example is if I'm thinking, I got a big test and you know what, it's fine. Maybe there's going to be a snowstorm tomorrow and a magical unicorn is going to take me shopping. <laughs> well, we know that's not really going to happen, is it? These positive thoughts should be there to help support us and problem solve. But they shouldn't be here to set these unrealistic expectations because a snowstorm and unicorn isn't going to really help me solve my math test. I need to still get it done. So it's important to explain that to our kids. Now, these thoughts can pop up at different times. For some individuals, it pops up a lot for friendships. Am I a good enough friend? Are they going to still think I'm cool? Do they want to hang out with me? Are they going to replace me? For other people, this pops a lot for our academics and our grade. I'm going to fail this test. I can't get this math test right. I can't get these questions done in time. There's too much homework. For some people, it's on performance. For some adults, it's on work. These thoughts will pop up at different time for different people. So it's important for you to know what your child's thoughts are and for them to identify when they pop up because that's when we can provide that support is when we know they're likely to pop up and try to get control. It's important to explain to kids what happens if we let our red thoughts control our day. So if I keep saying, I'm going to fail this test, I won't do well, do I want to study? Not really. If I keep telling myself, hey, I'm not going to make any friends on my first day of school, do I want to go introduce myself to people? No. So when we let these red thoughts or these negative thoughts control our day, they really do stop us from being our best. They stop us from meeting new people, trying new things or opportunities, and they really do put this block in front of us. So it's important not to let those thoughts linger. Now, again, these thoughts are normal. They pop up for everyone and at all different times. And I love to tell kids, even adults are struggling with negative thoughts. We get these thoughts and sometimes we can't control when they're going to pop up, but we can control when we want to listen to them. When we do listen to them, they often associate with fear and worry and things escalate in our brain. And I bet you've even had a couple times where you create your own situations in your head that, man, oh man, that escalated quickly. I know that's happened to me before. But the first step in controlling these thoughts is realizing that we have them and even telling ourselves, whoa, that sounds like a negative thought. Maybe I need to take a step back and looking. So it's important to identify Again, I always say it, the first step, build awareness. Identify that thought. You can even say it out loud. Hey, that is a negative thought. Or if you're not sure, you can even ask yourself, what's going through my mind and I have to do something that makes me a little uncomfortable? Am I saying, wow, I'm excited to try this? Am I saying I might fail? What's going on in my mind or what's going on in my child's mind? These thoughts need to be tackled in a very logical way. <laughs> so sometimes our thoughts over-exaggerate and they like to get very negative. So it's important to kind of take a step back and say, well, how do I actually know this is going to happen? Has this happened before? And if yes, what was the outcome? 
If it's never happened before, what makes me think it's going to happen again? What's the worst thing that can happen? What's the best thing? And what's likely in between? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves these questions to be a bit of a detective and figure out, hey, is this actually a logical thought or is my brain just going into a deep hole again? And sometimes we might even have to ask these with our children. Now, again, if they are in the red zone, if they are feeling extremely anxious, our first step is learning to calm down. So that's when you want them to go to that corner, take a break before we logically look at this step by step. Okay, now that we've talked a little bit about what thoughts are, how to teach it to our children, why they pop up, let's talk about some practical tips and tricks. At the end of each podcast, I'll give you a couple of tips and tricks so you can start implementing them with your family. This might be a good time to pause the podcast, get a paper, a pencil, maybe think about the couple of things that we've chatted about and see what would work best for your family. Ready? Let's go. Number one, be proactive. I know I say this a lot, but I always think it's important for us to be prepared. So what does that look like? Being proactive with our thoughts means that, hey, I know when I'm having a bad day, when I get those negative thoughts, it's hard for me to think positively. And that's like most people. So to prepare myself, I get a piece of paper, a journal, a poster, and I write some things on my paper to help me think positively. So these could be specific compliments to myself. This could also be about a situation that you know can get you some negative thoughts. So for example, I had a student who had become extremely worried over vaccines and needles. And so what we decided together is that when we get those vaccines, that whole day feels really hard. It feels very negative and it's hard to get out of that negative thought. So to prepare, we decided to get a piece of paper and write down some logical tips and tricks for us that when we are approaching that, we can read our piece of paper to help us calm down. So things like, hey, I've had a vaccine before and I was fine. I know this won't be as bad. I know that the nurse is a professional. They've done this before. They are not going to hurt or injure me. I know that many students have received this and we've all been fine, so it won't be any different for me. And I know to take my deep breaths and to do a calming activity the week of to make sure that I'm, I'm as calm as I can be to help deal with this. So sometimes being proactive means preparing that note, that journal, and putting it somewhere that you know you can easily find when you need it. Number two, watch how we as adults talk about ourselves in front of children. Children are like parrots. They will model everything they see, including how you talk about yourself in front of them. So if you're always making comments like, I could have done better, this wasn't a good day for me, uh, my presentation, I you know messed up on this part and it's the main focus that everyone looked at. And although those do seem a little bit innocent, if we're constantly critiquing ourselves in front of our children, we're teaching them that our best that we did isn't good enough every time. And we want to make sure we watch out for that. So even changing our language, like, uh, you know what, I think I could have done better on my presentation, but I'll learn from it for next time. That is a very different way of communicating to ourselves and a very different way that our children will see that. 
Because when we change the language that we're using, we're teaching kids that it is normal to make mistakes. It's normal to get those negative thoughts and want to critique ourselves, but we want to switch it to a coaching approach where we are learning from those mistakes. And we need to watch out for that. So how do you talk about yourself in front of your child? Are you commenting about your physical appearance, your performance? And if so, what does that look like? Is it a critique or a coaching comment? Number three, when we get those negative thoughts, one thing that can help us handle the situation is saying out loud, it's just a thought. What this does is when we say things out loud and we actually hear it, we're triggering the logical part in our brain to realize it's just a thought. It doesn't mean that it's a fact. And sometimes we need to teach ourselves and practice this with ourselves, but also teach our children to use this technique as well. Hey, it's just a thought. And repeating that when we are dealing with those really heavy negative thoughts, reminding ourselves that they don't always have to be true. Number four. Play detective, find the evidence. I love using this analogy with kids. We are detectives for our own thoughts. Sometimes we get these big thoughts and they are overwhelming, so we have to break it down. And so looking for the evidence means sometimes getting a piece of paper, writing down the thought in the middle, and answering some questions about it. So for example, has this happened before? Yes or no? No. Okay, then why do we think it's going to happen now? Hmm, yes. Okay, what were the results? What information do I have to tell me that this is happening? How did I hear about this? Is this something that somebody else told me? Or is this something that I'm just coming up with? And if somebody else told me this, how do I know that that information from them is true? Is it from one person or multiple people? Playing a detective means taking different perspective to really analyze that thought. And it doesn't mean that necessarily we're gonna debunk the thought. It just means we're taking in all the perspective to get a really big picture for this. So for example, with our vaccine, maybe you have tons of classmates who are saying the nurse was so mean and it was so painful. And so looking at the evidence could be, hmm, well, did my classmates get the vaccine? Yes. Are they still going to school and talking and eating lunch and doing activities? Yes. So, hmm, even though they're saying it was painful, it looks like they still survived and they're doing pretty well. <laughs> I know this sounds silly, but sometimes that's what we need to do with those thoughts is take the whole picture instead of focusing on one aspect. Number five, continue with those calming strategies. As I spoke before, calming down isn't something you just do when you're frustrated. It is part of a healthy lifestyle that you need to do every day. And when we have these negative thoughts that pop up a lot, calming down is critical for us in our lifestyle. It means taking a step back, keeping our mind distracted or busy with something else that it can take a breather and allow us to go back and look at the evidence and to look at all our options when we're calm. And lastly, number six, get a journal and in your journal, write down one thing that you accomplished for today and do it for a week. 
This works really well for our little kiddos who are quite critical of themselves, who when one bad thing happens, they get super hyper-focused on it, and they just say, I didn't do anything right. I can't get anything done. And sometimes part of looking at the evidence means actually writing down one thing we accomplished. It doesn't have to be big or small. It could be, huh, I went to school today. Yeah, I was having a bad day and I went to school and that's what I accomplished. It could be I spent time with my friends or my family. It doesn't have to be academics based. But write down one thing that you accomplished for that day. As always, I always recommend you choose one or two tips for the week because we don't want to overwhelm our kids with lots of talks of emotions and negative thoughts. Before I leave, I'd like to give you a challenge for this week. I think challenges are so important as they help us really understand and develop. So this week, I want you to write a list of what you're proud of yourself. What characteristics that you have that make you unique, that are your strengths, And I want you to see if you can come up with 10 different things that you are proud of. It's weird to give ourselves compliments sometimes, but when we start doing these activities, we're getting our brain to think about the positive things that we have and the areas that are strength that we can use when we need a little bit of support. That's all for today. I hope that this week you learned something new about you and your family. Take care, be safe, and we'll chat soon.